All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are so back. We are so back. Three straight wins for the first time since the start of November. The Vancouver Canucks are back, and so are we. My name is Dave Guadrelli. That is Harmon Dial, our technical producer. The man at the controls is Grady Sass, and this is Canucks Conversation live from the iconic Sheraton Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. Canucks are back, Harmon. The Canucks are back, and it feels great to say it. Rolling wagon, certified wagon. Right. We're back on the rails. It's uh, pretty crazy. Who would have thought that second week of December, heading into the holidays, the Canucks have the best goal differential in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I would have thought the only way that would have been possible is if the Abbotsford Canucks were leading the AHL in goal differential. No way I thought that this roster w- would have been capable of that. But to see them bounce back after a stretch where they were mostly playing 500 hockey against two pretty good teams, first the Carolina Hurricanes, and of course they haven't been playing their best, but still that's a team that on paper is Stanley Cup contender material. And then and then the Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah, they're not the same team that won back-to-back uh, cups, but this is still a team that has a star power to, if you're having an off night, they're going to kill you, especially with the way Nikita Kucherov has been rolling Andre Vasilevsky back. So for the Canucks to not only win, but process-wise, have really complete performances at even strength, not allowing a lot at 5-on-5, 
Really, really impressive stuff. We'll break it down further, but before we do that, we need to tell you that today's episode is a presentation of the HSBC World Rugby Sevens, Western Canada's largest sporting event, and this year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens series. HSBC Vancouver Sevens, where high-caliber rugby and the ultimate party weekend collide. SVNS truly is a sporting event like no other and a weekend you won't want to miss. For three full days from February 23rd to 25th, BC Place is going to be the place to be. 12 women's and 12 men's sevens teams, including two Canadian squads, take to the pitch for three full days of jam-packed rugby and partying. Tickets on sale now at vansevens.com, starting from just $40.00. Per day. Harmon, if you were going to this event, which we might, what costume would you wear? Because the costumes, that's a big part of this event, is people wear their their best costumes. Go get your best costumes ready for this event, folks. But what would you wear? Like, I think Faber one year went, I got to text him. Hopefully he's watching the show. Jump in the chat if you're watching, Chris. I think one year Chris went as like a Teletubby or something. I might be misremembering that. I'll ask him. But what would you dress as? Oh, man, I'd have to prep that because I'm usually the guy that just scrounges up whatever clothes are in my closet and somehow is like, yeah, this is my costume. One year I went and I literally just cut out three um, with con- with uh, construction paper, three uh, circles, put them on a dress shirt and said, yeah, I'm three hole punch version of Jim from the office. Oh, boy. Come on. You got to do better than that. Oh, what One year I... So I have a green bomber jacket and I have aviator shades. So I just bought green um, pants uh-huh. and I was like um, that guy from to- uh, Top Gun. <laughs> I haven't even watched the movie, but I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> Grady, you watched Top Gun before? I have not either. Wow. And I had it on VHS as a kid and it, I don't know. It just never isn't, to me. isn't that the one with Tom Cruise? Yes, it is. Top Gun. Wait, so what do you mean VHS? It came out in 2022. No. There was an OG that version. That was a remake. Oh. Come on. Okay, at least I at least know that. Should have known that. <laughs> Showing your age here, pal. A little bit. Uh, just like the person on the Canucks Reddit yesterday, subreddit, asking if Luongo is it, was as good as Thatcher Demko. <laughs> Are you serious? Did you not see this? This no. was on. I saw it on uh, the Canucks Reddit experience on Twitter. Shout out that account. It's an awesome account. Uh, but they, there was a person who posted, no shame to the person. Everybody can be a fan whenever they want. They're, we're not trying to exclude anybody here. But it was funny because I had people messaging me saying, was this you? Did you post this? <laughs> because the question was, for those of you who got to see Roberto Luongo play, obviously going up in the Ring of Honor tomorrow night, was he as good as Thatcher Demko is? <laughs> the short answer is yes, a thousand times yes. And the most impressive thing about Luongo in my mind, and great, I'll get your thoughts on this too, is that, he was able to change his style of play like three times from the era where everybody was still doing stand up. He came in to some extent, like, you know, the butterfly had obviously been invented by the time Luongo came into the league. But you look at Luongo's first game, the style that every goaltender, including Luongo, was playing. Then you go look at 2011 highlights. He's doing the VH, right? He's, he's into the VH every time he hugs the post during that 2011 run. And Jonathan Quick at that time was like the only goalie in the league doing the RVH. And then by, I don't know, I I want Woodley on the show to ask him exactly when this was. But by like 2014, I think, everybody, including Luongo, who was still in the league at that point, had adapted and changed into the RVH as their main stance. And one of you is going to have to stop me talking about goaltenders at some point. But uh, he is a, he is definitely uh, like, I don't know. He, in my mind, he's a top three goaltender of all time. 
for me, it's the durability, yeah. right? The workload that he was able to carry. I'm looking here, four seasons where he played over 70 games in a single year. Nobody in today's NHL can do that, stay healthy, and remain productive. I mean, Thatcher Demko, for as ta- for as talented as he is, we know that he breaks down a little bit if you overplay him as any normal um, top, you know, upper echelon goaltender does. And yet with Luongo, he could play endless amounts of games and not break a sweat seemingly. All right. It's not anyone else, but we're getting to this listener contribution. This is from Viper's Whip. I love it. Viper, thank you for contributing. This comment is a heater. Demko is better than Luongo. How many goals went right along the ice, going through his pads, and bleep? He was a 90s goalie. I have watched every Canucks game since 1986. Viper, I will respectfully disagree, but I appreciate you putting your opinion out there. I think, especially Viper, bear with me here. You've watched since 1986. Think of how much everything changed. I know you pointed out a 90s goalie. Luongo wasn't a 90s goalie. He played goalie. like, what, two seasons in the 90s? Well, I think what Viper is saying is that he, style? He, his style was yeah. 90s, but I would just flat out disagree with that. I think Luongo, what made him last as long as he did in the league was that he was so good at adapting his yeah. game. And I think that's something that, I don't know, like I'm curious to see who the next goaltender to really do that is going to be. Um because, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, we have to wait, but the, the game's always changing where goalies do have to change um, change up their style a little bit. But just, you know, and, and look, like, I'll defer. I'm not giving you my opinion here, Viper. I'll defer to a guy like Ian Clark, who would hands down tell you that Roberto Luongo is one of the best goalies of all time. Any generation, doesn't matter. Um, and again, I, I haven't spoken to Ian Clark about that, but he's told me all about working with Roberto Luongo and what a tireless worker Luongo was and all that sort of stuff. But... I'm saying, me, I'm saying, top three goalie. I think he goes Hasek, uh, Patrick Waugh, and Roberto Luongo. And if you remember those first few seasons when Luongo came to Vancouver, they essentially constructed the team around him bailing, you know, the defenders and the rest of the team out nightly. You know, they were drying up on offense. That was kind of the transition from the West Coast Express era to the Sedins. They hadn't quite become those prolific scorers yet. So a lot of the nights, you know, he was getting making 35, 40 saves and standing on his head. It was only until like a couple of years later when Kessler tried to, you know, he went beast mode and Burroughs and you saw some of the depth come through. Those first few years, Luongo was mm-hmm. standing on his head was the reason why they won so many games. Grady, the chat's wondering if you're cold. <laughs> you brought the park. It's today. very cold in the studio. Yes. And if, I, and if, I take the, if I take the jacket off, then I'm freezing. I'm a little warm right now. I think it's all your hot takes. You got anything under that jacket? <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, just shirtless. <laughs> uh, okay, Grady. I love it. Thank you for that. Uh, this And Viper Viper went further. And people are going to lambast me for uh, just talking to Viper here. But I like this. He said, I'm saying Demo- Demko can make saves. We saw from Hasek, not his work ethic and being a great goalie. I'm saying Demko is a technically better goalie. I don't know. I, I have time for it. Everybody's going to think Viper's off his rocker. I have time for it. I have a little bit of time for it, but no, I, Luongo is the best goalie. I don't think he's necessarily wrong, but that was, you have to think of where the evolution of the position was at that time. Yeah. It's never, goalies have never been technically as savvy as they yeah. are now. Luongo, when he first came up, relied on his reflexes, whereas Thatcher was always a positional first, you know, efficiency movement. Like they talk, talks about eliminating half the crease, you know, like, 
you would often see Luongo scrambling on his stomach, um, trying to make those desperation saves. You don't really see that out of Demko. But again, kind of a, a different era of goaltending. Also, talk to me when Thatcher Demko starts like 70 games in a season. Right. Well, that's the other thing too, right? Yeah, no, like, we're not gonna we're not gonna continue with this. We have to move on. Carmen hasn't gotten a word in. Quickly, Demko <laughs> career 911 save percentage, Roberto Luongo, 919. I know it's a bit of a different offensive era, but what is Demko's high watermark for wins? And I know wins isn't the end all be all. It's 33. You know, Luongo did the, that kind of on his off years, or maybe when Schneider was starting to take away some starts. So yeah, I think you could make the case technically. The, the part about technically sound and like the, the technique sure. that both guys used, I'm willing to listen to because Thatcher has such good technique, but he's but he still early over the years too. He's still earlier in his career. Yeah. Whereas Roberto Luongo is a Hall of Famer, Demko has to still reach that potential. Okay, I, I'm sorry. Say. I'm we'll sorry to cut on. you off, Grady. I brought this up as a joke three minutes into the show. <laughs> we ended up talking about it for 10 minutes. And I Show's can, off I, the rails. The numbers are already dropping. People are leaving. Harmon's getting ready to leave. Uh, but no, let's move on. Well, move on. Let's move backwards to talking about last night's victory, Harmon. Uh, Brock Besser scores a hat trick. Andre Kuzmenko gets on the board. Let's start with Brock Besser, who with 21 goals is now tied for Austin Ma- with Austin Matthews for the NHL lead league in goals. And folks, it is December 13th. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable. And when you look at the two goals that he's scored outside of the empty netter, to me what stands out about this season is just the variety of ways that he's scoring. Any team that's pre-scouting him and going, how do we stop Besser? How do we stop Vancouver? they can't look at one or two types of plays that Besser is especially feasting on and go, well, if we make this adjustment, we're going to completely deny him because the first goal, of course, is just a rebound goal in a greasy area, which he has such a knack for always being open on the doorstep for those rebounds in a spot where goal scorers should never be open. And I think that speaks to his hockey IQ, his timing, his anticipation, how he reads, uh, how he reads plays, an increased willingness to get to the front of the net, but then also the 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 goal that he scored off of Quinn Hughes's feed, that type of snipe from distance, we haven't seen that a whole lot over the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons. So when you have both of those aspects firing, not to mention he's created so many chances from the bumper in the power play, which he over the last month could have easily had more goals from that middle of the ice on the man advantage. He's just creating so many good looks. I mean, there was a stretch about two, three weeks ago where he was generating a ton of chances off the rush as well and was unfortunate not to have, you know, picked up uh, maybe an extra goal here or there as well. It's remarkable how many different ways he's scoring. And outside of just the offense, he's also taken a massive step forward in his defensive play. Last season, as much as we want to talk about the lack of offensive output, Besser's defensive metrics were the worst of his career. At 5-on-5, when he was in the ice, the Canucks were just getting shelled. And and not just worst, some of the worst defensive numbers in his career, but of all NHL forwards, when you look at how many shots, how many chances, how many goals against the Canucks were allowing, it felt like he was stuck in quicksand with the skating, Mm -hmm. There were a lot of turnovers from the defensive half wall. 
lackluster back checks. He wasn't able to win board battles anymore on the four check. He was sort of a liability in that sense. Whereas this season, it's been a night and day difference. We're seeing him go up against, alongside Miller, of course, the opposition's best players, hold his own in that sense. Even the setup that he had in the Minnesota game on uh, on Miller's goal. Hoaglander and, and Besser digging the puck out on the forecheck. Besser having the poise, the sense to find Miller in the slot coming off the bench. Those are the those are the areas that are ensuring that his line is spending more time in the offensive zone so that he can actually apply some of uh, his skills. I find it really interesting that you brought up that he's scoring in so many different ways because I saw a few people on Twitter last night. I thought it was a, it was a fine point. It's a good point to make. They were saying we haven't seen Brock play like this for like six years since his rookie year was the last time we saw him score like this. And I mean, I would disagree to some extent. He's only eight goals off of tying what he put up in that rookie year where he would have hit 30 if he hadn't had the, the awful back injury that ended his season prematurely at 62 games, Uh, 29 goals in that season. He's already up to 21 through 29 games. Just another chance for me to point out that I told everybody in August that this guy was scoring 30 this year. Even I didn't expect this. I just thought he was going to finally hit 30. Um, The thing that I want to hone in on is in that rookie season, he wasn't technically scoring like this. That goal and Viper, actually, there's another good take from Viper in the chat pointed this out. And I wanted to highlight this. Besser took down Chernak in a battle and got clear to score that goal. He didn't score goals like that in his rookie year. The one where he batted in on the backhand, batting it in on the backhand because you're at the front of that, because you're in the dirty areas. He didn't really score goals like that in his rookie season. So you brought up the defensive play, which is an excellent point. There's a big difference between rookie Brock Besser and even last season Brock Besser compared to this season Brock Besser. But right now we're seeing a guy putting it all together at all in all areas of the ice and also adding new elements to his game as a goal scorer. And right now, we are seeing it um, as the title of the episode suggests. Brock is back. He's evolved. He's matured. Even little details like how effective he is screening the front of the net. Rookie Brock never did that, right? And rookie Brock Besser was so exciting, so electric, so fun because he was just sniping bar down uh, from distance every time. But as we saw in his sophomore year, that's not a sustainable way to score on a night in night out basis because once teams recognize it hey this guy's got a really good shot they get the playbook on you uh, they see some tape they're able to adjust and take time and space away from you and I remember having conversations with Brock in that 2019-20 season where he said yeah the time and space I would have to let my shot go in my rookie season I've never had it again since and so to me it's really impressive that he's found a way to in this season top that that goal scoring pace considering how much more difficult it is to uh, to find that time and space he's having to sort of improvise and uh again i think he's evolved so much in terms of how many looks he's creating from the inner slot in and around the net doing the dirty work yeah um i want to pivot a little bit let's go to andre kuzmenko who scores a goal last night, opens the scoring 
for the Canucks last night. And we're not going to talk too much about him, but I want to give a shout out to Thatcher Demko, best goalie of all time to some people. Uh, he really held down the fort, I thought, late in that first period. And look, sometimes you need your goalie to bail you out with those two penalties that the Canucks took in the final 10 minutes of the period. Um, Thatcher Demko was up to the task. People want the high danger numbers. It was four, according to Natural Statistic. I had it pegged at seven, uh, seven high danger chances that Thatcher Demko turned aside, or six that he turned aside because he let a goal in um, in that first period. So I thought Thatcher Demko deserved a shout out, but let's pivot. Let's talk about Andre Kuzmenko, who opens the scoring by, you nailed it, shooting the puck. He shoots the puck on the power play on PP1. Let's go of one-timer rather than just corralling it and looking for space, which we've seen him do so much over this slump. And the message that we've heard is shoot more, shoot more, shoot more, like get the puck on net. And there was that game uh, two two games ago where we saw him kind of hang on for a second too long, look for a pass that really wasn't there when he probably should have shot. So the fact that Andre Kuzmenko's shooting is good, the fact he's scoring is better, and the fact that he followed that up with a really sweet back check on Steven Stamkos where he tied up Stamkos' stick uh, after a Philip Hronik turnover, um, a, a failed breakout by Philip Hronik led to a three-on-two, um, and Steven Stamkos was in the high slot, and Kuzmenko was hustling back, tied up the stick of Stamkos, uh, and negated the opportunity completely. That was the best of the three things that I just mentioned, in my opinion, of Kuzmenko's game. Yeah, the Canucks power play was zipping around the puck with such crisp passing, good movement. The only worry or not worry, the only potential issue you can run into when you are zipping or zipping it around that dangerously, that effectively, is at some point you got to shoot, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you run into a trap where you're passing so cleanly, it looks really pretty, but you're not able to like you're looking for the perfect play rather than just trying to uh, get some type of even if it's a medium danger scoring chance obviously you don't just want to spam a point shot but at some point you just got to direct it towards the net I found it interesting that talk it in discussing before the Tampa game the the power plays recent slowdown was mentioning that they need to adopt more of a shot first mentality so it isn't just Kuzmenko on an individual perspective regaining the confidence to be more assertive, be more direct, but it's also taking the coach's message that, hey, as a unit, we need to be more direct. Kuzmenko recognizing that in an in-game situation and applying the coach's lesson for that unit to, to help not only him get off the schneid, but get the power play going again. So that, to me, is something that he you know desperately needed you could see the relief on um on his face and it's always so funny when you have a player that's been struggling to score produce offense it doesn't matter if they're a first line player it doesn't matter if they're a fourth line player as soon as they get a goal they just have so much more pop so much more energy mm-hmm. chasing down pucks that they, they, they look so much faster it's as if getting that goal just jump starts every other part of their game which is funny because oftentimes when players are struggling to score, coaches are trying to harp this message of, okay, you need to nail the little things and then you're going to start to score. Whereas in reality, oftentimes it ends up being the opposite where sometimes you need that break to go in. So you feel good about yourself and then it's easier to execute on those little details because you've gotten the reward. You, uh, you don't feel like you're as much, you're, you're as, under as much pressure 
uh, which you could definitely see with uh, Kuzmenko. As soon as he scored, you could see him zipping all over the ice. Yep. Where I'm like, he's ne- he's never really done this. Back checking. Yeah, never never really done this. <laughs> uh, we have a clip here from Rick Tockett last night post game. Uh, this was Rick Tockett when he was asked about Andre Kuzmenko, and this time he was okay answering a question about Andre Kuzmenko. He's had some energy tonight. You know, he's been shooting actually. You know, it's Gonchar's here, then uh, he's been spending time with Gonchar shooting a lot of pucks. He shot a lot of pucks the last three days, and you know, there's no sense in him shooting that puck. He scores. You know, uh, we're we're getting him to shoot the puck more. Uh, hopefully, you know, in practice now we have to translate in the game. But I just thought he had more energy tonight. You know, it's a, it's a good little building block for him. A good little building block for him. Uh, anything else you wanted to get to on the game before we get to anyone else? Actually, I got a prospect report first. But do you want to say anything else about the game? Yeah, I just wanted to say another another fantastic game for Nils Hoaglander. Mm, yes. Out there with uh, Tampa pulling the goalie, Hoaglander's on the ice defending that lead he's taken such big strides this season in earning talk it's trust you go back to the minnesota game and he had by my count three big defensive plays holding the lead uh which is sort of or actually sorry the carolina game where where he had you know the the diving poke check uh, winning battles good changes that's why talk was able to roll him back out there so late in that uh, Tampa game, holding the lead. And not only that as uh, as a sign of the progress he's made, but also offensively, there were two or three instances where he was able to use his speed off the rush to get behind Tampa's defense, uh, drew that penalty on Eric Chernak, driving to the net. Really, really effective, strong game for him, continuing to be effective on the forecheck below the hash marks. I, I was, again, um, really happy with his performance. I'm, it's such a good story for a player that for a while there, you wondered about his long-term organizational fit. Yeah. Uh, and I really like that Rick Tockett is keeping the bar high for Nils Hoaglander because Corey Anderson pointed this out. He said Tockett wasn't as happy with Hoaglander as the media was. Talked about several giveaways last night and that's what Hoaglander needs to avoid. And I think Rick Tockett's a good coach to be able to keep Nils Hoaglander accountable and not let him get away from what's made him successful um, and, and continue focusing on those little details. I don't think that's going to, Hoaglander's not going to be able to take his foot off the gas if he wants to stay in the yeah. lineup. And I think Hoaglander's, or Talkit is really going to help him with that. There and was, it, sorry, Harm, there quickly, just there was one play, I think it was like the first or second, you know, uh, minute of the game. Miller flips the puck up at the zone entry and Hoaglander, like a dog on the bone, just goes straight in as the F1 four trekker, retrieves it. I can't remember who the Bolts Lightning were, but like they created zone pressure. Uh, very start of the game, just because Hoglander hustled and he won a puck battle behind the net. And so much, you know, they play that dump and chase style. You got to go back and actually get the puck to make it effective. And it's just incredible to see like a guy listed at his size. What is he? Five, eight, um, low center of gravity and how strong he is along the boards and kind of his whole puck pursuit and he he compliments Miller and Besser so well because they can all kind of play that you know um succinct uh zone time possession cycling game behind the net but then they also get it to the front of the net like we've seen uh on so many of the goals I think it was the first Besser goal whereas that heronic tip uh shot from the point Miller kind of tipped it got the rebound put the shot on and like 
all three of them are right in kind of the crease creating havoc. And that's exactly what you want to see from him in the ozone. Now there's things they still got to clean up defensively hoglander. That is, but uh, it's a great sign. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, let's get to the prospect report. I know people are going to be wondering about Frank Saravalli. Uh, we pre-recorded with him, so we are actually going to close out the episode later on, and then we're going to play the pre-recorded uh, Frank Saravalli interview, so you'll be able to hear that if you stick around. Uh, if you don't want to stick around, it'll be out later on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And if you're new here, folks, we've got a good number of listeners today. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell We'll let you know when we are going live, and I'll let you know as well. Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. every day, uh, we are live on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. So if you're on the podcast listening to this and you want to get involved in the YouTube live chat, check us out, 2 p.m., 2 p.m., Monday through Friday. And we will, of course, be back tomorrow talking about Roberto Blongo and a few other things. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I wanted to get this in. This is our prospect report brought to you by our friends at Four Winds Brewing, family owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Are you going to the game tomorrow, Harmon? I don't think so. I think Giants is going to be at it. So I strong-armed uh, Wyatt Arndt. Wyatt really wanted to go to the game. And I said, no, sorry, man. I'm the boss. I get to call the shots, and I'm going to the game. I didn't. It didn't wow. go exactly like that. Uh, hold on. No, I, I believe it went exactly like that <laughs> because I can see Wyatt on a game-in, game-out basis on some of the worst nights of the year, some of the biggest losses, writing the stanchies. <laughs> Ready for the big Roberto Luongo night, and then the boss that 
isn't really involved in doing the statues is like, I'm calling an audible here. Yep. I'm going to the big ceremony night. That's right. Well, look, okay, Wyatt's been sick lately, so I've been having to go to every game. And if he can't go, I got to go to the games. And he texted me, and he's like, uh, who's going to the Luongo game? And I said, well, 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 now you want to go to a game. Uh, and in all seriousness, I was trying to figure out what was best. I can't get to morning skate, and he really wants to see Luongo and talk to Luongo. I was like, okay, well, go in the morning. So anyways, Wyatt and I figured out a happy medium. But he said... You didn't even watch him play like I did. And I said, I saw him on the TV machine when it wasn't a school night. Uh, and then he, uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a good little back and forth. But we figured it out. Everybody's happy. Uh, but I'm very excited to go to that game tomorrow. In all seriousness, to see the the banner unveiled kind of thing. Or it's not a banner, banner I Banner kind of thing. But dropped. You know, the banner that's covering the... Oh, you got some... Your mic's on, Grady. Um, but sorry about that. The banner covering his... his uh, you mean the Ring of Honor? Yeah, what do they make it out of, though? That's what I'm curious. Like, his, you know, metal? his Ring of Honor Aluminum? portrait? Yeah, what is it? I, I was listening to Donnie and Dolly today. They said that Harold Snaps once fell down, which is right above really? the press box. Yeah. Anyways, a little uh, Canucks history there for you. I want to find Secret the, plot uh, to take out the negative media. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put it right there. Yeah. No, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out the answer to that at some point. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, the prospect report. And uh, four wins, light logger. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a perfect time to drink some four wins light lager as you watch that ceremony. I don't even know where I was. I just, okay. Yeah. Prospect yeah previewing report. the Anaheim Ducks game. Yeah, Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> All right. Quick prospect report here. Uh, Abbotsford lost both of their games this past weekend. And I'm focusing on the goaltenders. They're continuing to rotate both, both goaltenders. So Archer Seelovs and Nikita Tolopilo both lost by a final score of four to two. Both guys played pretty well. Seelovs made 32 saves. Tolapilo made 31 saves. Very curious to get Dave Hall's thoughts uh, on who's maybe pulling ahead because right now looks pretty neck and neck out there in Abbotsford. And I'm curious what's happening with Zach Sochenko because he is in Spencer Martin territory where he's just not playing because the Canucks have two young goaltenders that they have a long-term interest in. So both of those guys are rotating and both of them are playing uh, quite a bit. And obviously Archer Seelovs had that huge uh, month of November where he was named AHL goaltender of the month. So just something to keep an eye on. That was a very quick prospect report, which is how I like him. I was uh, going to say, I think you're the only person in this market that's uh, worried for Zach Sochenko there. I feel for the guy. I feel for the guy. We'll have him yeah, on the show. Enough. Good guy, Zach Sochenko. Uh, okay. <laughs> Anyone else presented by DoorDash? It's our listener's chance to get involved in his up in the YouTube live chat. It's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right for a limited time. Our listeners get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada. Subject to change. Terms do apply. Okay, we've got a few in here. Uh, people are wondering if I was uh, if I was even alive when uh, Luongo played. <laughs> yes, I was. I saw him on non-school nights. You weren't um, allowed to watch the Canucks on school nights? No, no, I was. I was just joking. Although when I was really young, like I have I have a very distinct memory and I have to go back and figure out what game this was. But I have a very distinct memory of I had like a old uh, like alarm clock, like it had a radio on it type thing. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? I'm just describing a radio. Um, that was like right next to my bed. And I was like five or six. And I figured out how to get the AM radio on, and I learned where the Canucks game was. And like, no one showed me this. I just, I learned. I don't know how I figured this out. I think I must have paid attention in the uh, 
<clears throat> I must have paid attention in the car or whatever. But anyways, I figured out I would go to bed and then I would turn the radio really low and listen. Like if a game went to overtime and I, I was like six or whatever, right? I'd go listen to it and go listen to the game in overtime. And that was that was what I did. So I, yeah, my my Canucks knowledge, trust me. I, I saw Luongo. Awesome. I saw Luongo. He no, was, you heard Luongo. <laughs> I heard Luongo, yeah. No, he was my favorite player growing up. I think we answered that yeah. yesterday, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Osnuk asked a good question. Grady, maybe you can answer this. I know you got Italian relatives as well. Does anyone know why Luongo uses strombone as a handle? I think it's something to do with Italian. Like, I'm pretty sure. Grady, do you know? I have no idea, no. It does not have a direct English translation from Italian. But anyways, my nono has called me different names, and I'm pretty sure Strombone's been one of them, so I have to go ask him uh, what that means. Anyways, we'll report back once I talk to nono. Uh, okay, let's get some actual anyone else's here. Uh, this one I'll let you answer, Harmon, because <clears throat> Jeremy Lee said Besser is doing great because of stacked line mates that he gets to play with now. I would argue that Phil DiGiuseppe is not a great line mate that's pumping up Brock's numbers. And I'd also say, and I know I said throw this to you, but the quick thing I want to say is just that, you know, they're playing against top competition. And the reason he's there is because he's capable of doing that. And he's capable of playing, which as you alluded to earlier, he wasn't capable of doing that last year. Yeah. And I mean, you, you look at the top of the NHL uh, goal scoring leaders outside of Besser if Matthews, he plays with Mitch Marner, who's also, I mean, he's Marner's not having the best season this year, but he's he's an elite point producer. Uh, Kucherov gets to play with um, with Point. Sam Reinhardt's up there with uh, 17 goals in 28 games. He plays with Alex Barkov. I, I don't think that's really a, a valid uh, criticism of Brock. How much of a template, this one from Jesse C., how much of a template is Besser for what the coaches want Kuzmenko to be? It is a really good template, I think, just in the sense of Brock earlier in his career definitely profiled as a pretty one-dimensional player where he's a goal scorer, but a lot of people wondered. Even up up in, in this offseason when I would speak to executives, team scouts, outside of Vancouver, they'd look at him as a pretty one-dimensional player that if if Brock's not scoring, what is he doing, right? To really draw, whether it's drive play, uh, win battles, be effective on the forecheck, uh, clean up his defensive play. And Brock has, to his credit, cleaned up all of that this season. He continues to be effective on the forecheck despite not having a lot of foot speed, which is something that Kuzmenko can draw from, draw from because... Kuzmenko's never going to be effective on the forecheck the way Nils Hoaglander is, for example. He just doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have that same level of tenacity, whereas Brock is a more realistic template to follow in that sense. Same thing in terms of cleaning up his defensive habits positionally, uh, better puck management. Yeah, I actually do think that um, Kuzmenko can learn a lot from Brock's evolution. Also, on the topic of line mates, don't forget the lotto line. That was the best line that Brock Besser's yeah. ever played on. Uh, some other good ones in here. I'm really liking this. This is a lot of uh, a lot of really good interaction from the chat. So thank you to everybody who's interacting with us. This one from DM Payne. Would Hoglander be better utilized with PD or JT? 
Now, this is a really interesting one for me because I feel like every time we've seen Niels Huglander play with Elias Pettersson, he's gotten into that territory of maybe being a bit too cute and trying to do a little bit too much and maybe not shooting when he has the opportunity, hanging on to the puck for a second too long, trying to make the finesse play. I wonder if that's because he was playing with Elias Pettersson or if that was because that's who Niels Huglander was like up until two weeks ago, right? Like, I'm curious if it would be different this time around with Pedersen, just the way we've seen Huglander play lately. I just think that right now, don't mess with something that's working. And yeah. right now, Dills Huglander is working with JT Miller. Yeah, and that line has such a simple identity. It's easier for Huglander to make that adjustment from jumping up from the fourth line to a top six role, where I'm sure the message from JT is, look, don't worry about making fancy offensive plays. Just... Use your speed, get behind the defense, win battles, get me the puck, and we're going to be a hard-working line that crashes the net, uh, controls the puck. And yeah, yeah, we can pull off skilled plays. We definitely have the talent to do that. But it's a pretty simple, direct message for how you're going to have success. Whereas with Pedersen, it can, I mean, on the one hand, you can argue that, I mean, Lafferty plays a pretty direct north-south game, and he's found it not not too difficult to to produce on that line. So, yeah, I mean, maybe Hoaglander could work, but I I could also see a scenario where because Pedersen's a more methodical player, because you have to learn a little bit how to read off of him, how to get open, that um, there could be a bit more of an adjustment. Whereas, I mean, this has felt like a seamless fit right now for Hoaglander on Miller's line. Okay, we're going to close up the segment here with this one because I'm going to segue it into my anyone else because apparently... Somebody else also experienced what I experienced last night in a way. This one from Jesse C. Surprised at the post-game comments from Talk complimenting Juleson? Is there any chance he becomes our Jalen Chatfield, a cheap 6D on the PK that frees up money elsewhere? Uh, we're not focusing too much on that. Rick Talk, it was complimentary of Noah Juleson once again. He has been lately, and Noah Juleson has played a lot better than he was three weeks ago when we were wondering why this guy was even in the NHL. Um, my anyone else is that I got a text from my brother who was at the game last night, doesn't watch this show every day, doesn't pay super close attention to the Canucks, watches watches most games, but texted me and said, dude, who is this Juleson guy? And I said, <laughs> what do you mean? And he pointed out, he goes, he was one of their best players. He used the Talkit quote, the thing that Talkit won't even say, best <laughs> player. He called Noah Juleson one of their best players and i said i don't know how to tell you this man he's not one of their best players he's i promise you he's not he goes no man that dude's got so much heart he was laying the body i was like oh my gosh my brother is yeah anyways Juleson played well it was just funny that uh it was just funny that uh someone pointed out that talk it they were surprised that talk it spoke well of him. my brother thinks noah Juleson's one of the best defensemen on this team or he thought he was at least last night well i owe Juleson an apology because about three weeks ago i was saying that i didn't think he deserved to be in the lineup and based off his form at the time i certainly think the results back that up where the canucks had been outscored like six nothing with him on the ice at five on five this but... is quickly turning into a thomas trance apology just so you know you started with really? i owe him an apology and then you started throwing out stats of why you were right at the time <laughs> no i'm just <laughs> I i'm trying to point out that <laughs> My criticism wasn't anything personal. <laughs> it was grounded in something Stats. objective. Yep. yep. Right? 
<laughs> you threw me off there. <laughs> so anyway, man, I'm trying to be nice and you just, anyway. Well, we were just before the show, we were listening to, uh, uh, to Tom with Dolly Wall talking about points percentage within five seconds we were having a good laugh about that that points percentage got brought up okay where was i <laughs> sorry continue. but yeah so since then he looks a lot more poised making decisions with the puck on the breakout early in the season it felt like he was just panicking and immediately getting rid of it turning it over quite often whereas now he has a little bit of composure he can hold hold on to it for for a split second just long enough so that he can make a decision. Whereas in other situations, if there is pressure and he doesn't have that time, he's able to recognize, make that read faster and, um, and make a quick up. Right. So credit to him for that. He absolutely has been laying the body. He's been blocking a ton of shots, effective on the PK. Uh, don't know how long it'll last, but it's been great to see. And the longer this goes on, I mean, he would, yeah, be an asset for, for this organization considering, how little he makes against the cap uh, if he's able to keep this up. Yeah, and you know, while I pointed out it was a Drance, turning into a Drance apology, you were absolutely right at the time when we made that kind of statement, and we did. We both agreed that he probably shouldn't have been in the lineup at that point, but man, it's going to be hard to take him out of the lineup. And further, big picture, it kind of makes losing out on Ethan Bear, which Jim Rutherford said this morning they did not expect would happen they expected to be the front runner they really thought he was coming back rutherford spoke on donnie and dolly earlier this morning it kind of makes losing ethan bear a little better that it's not three weeks ago like three weeks ago if we get told that ethan bear is not coming back and noah Julson's going to be in the lineup for a bit longer that's a lot more troublesome to hear but right now with the way Julson's playing it definitely becomes a little bit easier to stomach ethan bear's not a vancouver canuck Definitely. And Bear is probably a five, six defenseman. So if Juleson can keep this up, then I, I think he's a perfect, he can be a perfectly handy number six defenseman. It's just sometimes with these depth defenders, you, you don't know whether a, a stretch of good hockey can last, right? You yep. look at Mark Friedman, for example, immediately after the trade was really solid, really steady. And he looked like he should be in the lineup every night as a number six defenseman, but then his form fell off at one point. And that's at least now having Friedman as a depth option, at least if Juleson further down the line does falter, you have him as an option. And of course, at some point you're going to get Carson Susie back as well, which gives you another option. So yeah, I, I think the Canucks are well positioned for now. Okay. We're going to end on two. anyone else. I know we said we close it out. We're going to end on two quick. Anyone else here? This one from Chris M. Who did you pretend to be when playing road hockey slash mini sticks? I always liked the funnier names. So I was always Miroslav Satan or Alexei. I don't even know how to say that name. But for Van, I was always Murray Barron. Murray Barron. I did not expect that name to get brought up on today's show. By the way, isn't that Miroslav Shatan? Isn't that how you pronounce it? Sure. Yep. I almost called him Satan. So you're doing <laughs> better than I, I did. Think, I Miroslav Shatan and Alexei Zitnik. Yeah, there you go. Zitnik. Why? Yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, Murray Barron is what I want to focus on. The Murray Barron, uh, someone pointed out in the chat. Uh, Murray Barron, the poor man's Brian McCabe, which is another great name. I look. Okay. So the reason I know a lot of the older players is from playing the older NHL video games. Like you would go through and play like NHL Hits 2002, which I've been playing 
my whole life. Like I still have that game. I still play that game. It's so much fun. And you just go through and you're like, oh, I didn't know this player was on that team or whatever. It was just, it, it was interesting. But I always pretended to be Roberto Luongo. Had an older brother, so yes, I always played goaltender whenever I played hockey. I, I played a lot of goalie as well, and I also pretended to be Luongo. Well, that was I'm sure Grady has the exact same answer, so <laughs> we won't even go to him. Um, yeah. And then the last it one. Was actually, it actually started as Dan Cloutier because he was the first uh, Canucks goalie. So I, was I like, love it. I, you know, I love the it. goalie, the starter of uh, my favorite team. I was like, yeah, just even though he wasn't that good. So I love, I, I always had a soft spot for Cloutier. With that, that logic, are there any young children out there who are in 20 years when we're the bitter old media and they're doing their podcast on TikTok or whatever? Are they going to be like, yeah, I pretended to be Anders Nielsen. Because he was the starter at the time when I was playing mini so. <laughs> Let me know if there's anybody out there or your kids pretending to be Anders Nilsson out Maybe there. Maybe Jacob Markstrom. Jacob I can Markstrom. see that, but no, not an Anders In Calgary, I bet there's lots of those now, right? That's their guy. Yeah. He went out and signed him. Alex Ald. Danny Sabarin. Oh, that's a name. Some great name. We should just play, we should play Puck Doku on the show. I've gotten better at Puck Doku. A uh, lot of fun. Anyways, someone someone said Pavel Dimitra. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Rest in peace, Pavel Dimitra. Okay, here we go. Yeah, okay. Chris with another one here. Who do you think is the Eastern team interested in Andre Kuzmenko that Dollywell reported? My guess is Washington. My guess is also Washington, Chris. If I had to guess, definitely Washington. Yeah, they desperately need top uh, six scoring. They're going to get Pacioretty back at some point, but they already have Russians on the team, so it would be a pretty comfortable... Uh, situation the power plays that last in the nhl they um i think they're are they they're either 31st i, I actually want to double check this they take are, your time because uh, they're 30th for for goals for per game despite being in a playoff spot uh right now so they could desperately use some more offense clay stevenson uh they signed him to a two-year deal so i wish the washington capitals all the success in the world two-year extension for former coquitlam express goaltender clay stevenson Coquitlam's in town tonight. They're playing tonight. Check out the train station. Okay, uh, let's move on here. That was a lot of anyone else, and we really appreciate it, folks. Don't forget, we're going to have Frank Cervelli in moments here. But before we do that, we got to close it out with Betway. Grady, pull it up. Betway, Betway, Betway. Our bet of the day. Harmon hasn't seen this yet. It's an absolute heater. Folks, if you're feeling confident about that guy in the lead for the NHL goal lead right now, go throw some money down on Brock Besser to win the Rocket Richard trophy at plus 1,200 odds. That means a $10 bet returns you $130 over at Betway, Betway, Betway. It must be 19 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. How are you feeling about that, Brock Besser? I highly doubt he'll actually win it, but those odds are are not bad. I, I think they're pretty realistic in terms of a decent risk to reward. Uh, the thing to keep in mind is, of course, Besser has never played at this type of uh, pace before. He's also shooting 27.3%. So whereas you look at somebody like an Austin Matthews, he's been there, done that, and he is... Yeah, he's only shooting 18, I shouldn't say only, but he's shooting hmm. under 20%, really close to his career average clip. So his scoring pace seems more sustainable and in line with with uh, what he's done in the past, which 
I, I don't think you needed me to tell. I don't think anybody needed me to say that. That's pretty obvious. But yeah, that's kind of how I view it. Long shot. Yeah, a lot of people in the chat agree with you. Matthews is going to win it. All right, we'll close it out there. <laughs> uh, let's actually go to Frank Saravalli. Uh, but for those of you who won't see us afterwards, I'm going to say bye to you right now. For my co-host Harmon Dial and our tech producer Grady Sass, my name is Dave Grilly. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation as we throw now to our interview earlier today with Daily Faceoffs Frank Saravalli. All right, Frank Saravalli joining us now, brought to you by the VGH Millionaire Lottery. You have until midnight, Friday, December 22nd, to get in on 51 early bird draws in the VGH Millionaire Lottery. These early bird draws are worth more than $200,000. Win an Audi e-tron GT or a private jet experience that includes 20 grand in cash or $125,000 plus 50 winners will win one with your VGH Millionaire Lottery tickets, you get in to win one of 10 grand prize options, or you can take $2.7 million in tax-free cash. Don't forget to get your 50-50 plus tickets. Every ticket purchase supports VGH and the UBC Hospital Foundation. Order in person at London Drugs or online at millionairelottery.com. 19 plus play, know your limit, play within it. Frank, have you ever won the lottery in any form? Scratch off, anything like that? Just 20 bucks doesn't count on the scratch off, does it? I think so. I think anything above like 10 on a scratch off is like you have won the lottery. We, I used to be like a degenerate scratch off player. Nice. Like I would go to the car wash and while waiting for my car, I'd buy like a hundred bucks in scratch off tickets and just feverishly be sitting there scratching away, waiting for it. And the most you ever won was $20. Yeah, I mean, I a ton of like free, you got a free ticket. You got a free, that doesn't count. <laughs> no, By the way, I was thinking about the prizes. How amazing it would it be if the private jet experience was on Francesco Aquilini's private jet and you could ask him anything you wanted? What would you ask Francesco Aquilini if you could ask him anything you wanted? I'd ask him what it feels like to finally get things right, it seems. You've got some people in place that are doing all the right stuff. It's taken you a while to get to this point. How do you find a way to keep that going? And by the way, the reason what made me think of that is when I was, pro- how old are you, Quads? 23. And Harm? 23. So almost exactly your age, I pitched a story of flying on Flyers owner Ed Snyder's private jet with him. And they said yes. And I did it when I was 23. And it was like two or three of the coolest days of my life. Okay, well, now we need to hear stories about that because I've never heard about this. Tell us about it. It was unreal. Like, they just, uh, he was getting inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. He had already been in the Big Boy Hockey Hall of Fame for a while as a builder. And I sort of pitched the idea of, like, writing a story about what his legacy will end up being long beyond when he's gone. And now he's he passed away six, seven years ago now, and... It's still like, it was amazing to get access to him and his family. We flew to, from Philly to Chicago. Uh, I was with him all day during the induction, uh, the party afterwards. Then the next day, woke up and flew from Chicago to Washington and met the Flyers. Uh, and they played a game there against the Caps. And uh, it was just a like, kind of amazing behind the scenes experience. 
That's legendary. I, I would, I mean, hey, we're 23. We're in that prime age that Frank was in when he did that story. Maybe we have to pitch it. Uh, you talked about him getting things right as owner of the Vancouver Canucks. I think one of those things is hiring Jim Rutherford as the president of hockey operations. His contract is up at the end of this year. Uh, all we've heard is that they're going to work on an extension. What's the sense you get there? And what do you think of the job that Rutherford's done as a whole since he became president uh, two years ago now? I think it's been pretty good in the sense that there, there's been a lot for them to work through, right? Um, there's been, uh, I don't want to say turmoil, but there was a lot of stuff to pick through to get to where they are now. On the ice, removing some contracts that were really problematic. Off the ice, hiring the right people, putting the right process in place, reducing a lot of the noise that existed around the team. I think the situation that had unfolded with Bruce Boudreaux, um, who was hired by the owner, like that was a clear misstep um, that I think it took them a while to mop up. And I know fans don't like hearing that because they got so attached to Bruce Boudreaux, but I think that path that the Canucks went down really took them a while to dig out from and, and get the right person in place in Rick Tockett. And, you know, I wrote a story last week, a column that grabbed uh, some Canucks fans attention when I had said that Patrick Alvine deserves some consideration already as one of the front runners for GM of the year. And I felt kind of bad about the singular attention that that seemed to place and focus on Patrick Alvine, because the truth is, if you really understand how the Canucks front office works, a big part of the aggression that they've shown has actually come from Jim Rutherford specifically. And he's really been one of those people that's been pushing this team to continue to evolve and improve and get better. And I don't know that as president of hockey ops, you, you don't necessarily get the credit. There's no president of hockey ops. There's no POHO award at the end of the year <laughs> at the NHL awards. So he, he may not get some of that credit, but when you talk about his contract and where things stand, having the chance to to get to know Jim a little bit over the years, like this is not something that's occupying much of his time, I don't think, or, or headspace. Uh, he's accomplished so much with the Stanley Cups that he's won, the pile of money that he has in the bank. Um, I, I don't think he's sweating over his security. I think one thing that's really stood out to him is I think this has been, Vancouver has been a really good fit for his family. And I think that part of it, has also re-energized him a bit, so to speak, behind the scenes. Frank, with this outstanding start the Canucks have had, which player's reputation around the league has had the uh, biggest glow-up, uh, whether it be a Brock Bess or a Quinn Hughes, considering uh, how many people used to perceive his defensive game, a JT Miller, considering how that contract extension was often discussed last year, uh, whether it's a Philip Hronick, uh what are you hearing outside of Vancouver in terms of who's, who's catching uh, people's eyes? I think the easy answer would be Brock Besser because the goal scoring, if you had told me on December 13th, and I know that he's played a couple more games, so it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison, but that Brock Besser and Austin Matthews would be tied in the league lead in scoring with 21 goals this year. I would have said you're insane. Um, this start to the season has been magical for Besser, and there's no doubt about that, uh, how good he's been, how they've just hit the back of the net for him. It's been wild to see. 
But I'm going to go outside the box and I'm going to say if it counts as outside the box because you mentioned his name, but I'm going to say JT Miller because there was so much negative attention focused around the, you know, the potential trade and how close it actually did get to Pittsburgh, which was pretty darn close. Um, The contract extension and how that seemed to be looming over the Canucks heads. And then to come back this year and not just score and produce the way that he has, which has been excellent. But I really get the sense in talking to some Canucks players that are in the room on a daily basis that see everything. He's really part of the core fabric of this team and the heartbeat of it from a personality perspective that um, I think the Canucks are, are thrilled with that development and to see where he fits. You look at his production now and you say, oh, that contract, maybe the last couple of years might not be very friendly, but right now we're okay with it. Frank, what does Philip Ronick's next contract look like? That's the big question that we've been asking lately. What does his next contract look like? I think it's a number that starts with an eight all day long. Hmm. Um, I, I just like look at look at what he's on track to produce this year. And then let's just like game theory this out, okay? Because I I started to dive into this a little bit with the S&P guys. We didn't fully go ham on it. Let's do it. If you were to have Philip Ronick, just again, pure hypothetical game theory, go to arbitration this summer. After a, I don't know, call it, let's say on the lower end, based on where he's trending now, 70 points. Like it's not 85. It's not 75. Let's call it 70. Let's say he finishes at 70. Then you look at the minutes played. Then you look at his importance to the team. Like just go pure arb stats. Like where does he end up? It's, it's North of 7 million bucks. I think on a one-year deal. So So if, yeah, continue, continue. So if you were to like then extrapolate that out further and say, okay, He's somewhere seven or north on a on a one year arb deal to then purchase UFA deals, which is how the, the NHL marketplace works, and then take the term and add that into it. Like you're 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 again. I think you're looking in the eights all day long. Do you think the Canucks should pay that? Because that's where we start to have the hangups. Is we've seen different times where Philip Rolick's defensive game doesn't look great. Loses some 50-50 uh-huh. battles, and I'm not trying to poke holes in the guy's game like I was with Leo Patterson last week when we had you on the show, but should the Canucks be paying Philip Aronik? Quinn Hughes' partner is going to make more than Quinn Hughes? They're arriving at this juncture at different points. Mm-hmm. Hughes' deal purchased a bunch of RFA years. This deal purchases UFA deals also at a time when... The cap is going up. And this is why you guys can't have nice things. It's because <laughs> you guys are starting to poke holes at his game saying, well, we, you know, should we pay 8 million bucks a year? My answer is just go back and listen to Quinn Hughes answer from the start of the season. When he said point blank, it also may have been a slight knock at the Canucks, even though I'm not sure that he meant it that way. This is the best player I've ever played with here. Remember when he yep. said that? I do. And up until last year, that player was like Chris Tanev and Ethan Bear. So that, well, that's so you're that's right. why you could say that it's an underhanded 
you know, blow to the Canucks of what they've put next to him. Or you could look at it from a different perspective, which is the one that I would choose, which is Quinn Hughes has had a magical season. He's done it for the most part next to Philip Aronik. That person, that player, who, by the way, on his own two feet is having a, again, 70-plus point season most likely, that person's worth their weight in gold if he makes your star defenseman shine even brighter, if he has a, 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 a partnership, a tandem working together that is, is seemingly um, going swimmingly, for lack of a better term, why, like, why bleep with happy? Yeah, the, the, the scenario we kind of kept laying out was, okay, you're going to get a chance to see what Philip Ronick looks like away from Quinn Hughes once Ethan Bear signs, which everybody in the market thought was going to happen. Jim Rutherford was on Donnie and Dolly this morning, and he pointed out, or he said, yeah, we really thought he was coming back, and he spoke about how he thought Ethan Bear was coming back. It looks like Bear is going to sign a two-year deal in Washington. It looks like the Canucks are out on that. How much of a wrench does that throw in the Canucks plan that they don't get Ethan Bear at this juncture? I personally would not have been banking on that idea. Um, solely because I think that's how you get yourself into big trouble is trying to wedge one player to play with another and hope and pray and wish that it works out. Again, let me take you back to what I just said. Don't bleep with happy. It's working. I know that you want, and and at some point everyone is going to want, hey, let we've got to see Philip Ronick play on his own two feet and carry a pair and continue to produce at the same rate that he has in order for us to all feel satisfied about potentially paying him that kind of money. I, I sit back and I say, just, just let the magic unfold. Just, just enjoy what you have and how good it's been and say, this is our pairing for the next seven years or whatever the number ends up being that we can just enjoy this. Frank, I wanted to ask you about Andre Kuzmenko's future uh, scores uh, last night, which must be great for his confidence. But given that Rick Tockett seems reluctant to trust him defensively, how do you think the Canucks feel about Kuzmenko's fit on the roster? Um, you know, not only for this season, but he's got another year left on his contract as well. Yeah, I think it's a really tough spot to be in. Because, you know, I, I think I've seen the reports of Kuzmenko's name being out there. I think we all understand that this year has sort of been like square peg in a round hole uh, in terms of his fit under Rick Tockett. And it's clear to me that I don't even know if trust is is the right word, but there's there's some disconnect there between player and coaching staff that... I don't know that those things ever really get rectified. Like, and I don't know if it's possible to put it all back together again, but I think it's in the Canucks best interest to try because you think back to his season last year and, and how ridiculous that production was um, and the success that he found basically as free money for the Canucks. This was always kind of the risk that you have a great, rookie season in the NHL. Everyone wants to see how it translates to North America and you get the answer and it's amazing. And then you sign him to a commitment that it's not, the term isn't obviously too tough to handle, but it's at a way bigger chunk than it was last year. 
that if things don't go well, you're backed into this corner and spot. And look, I think it's been uncomfortable. Um, I think it would also be a mistake right now to trade him when his value seems to be pretty low, as opposed to trying to rehab this a bit more. You still in on uh, Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor? I got eliminated yesterday. I got eliminated yesterday. I took the Yotes to beat the Pens, and that didn't hmm. happen. So I'm looking at it. As far as I can tell, the Penguins beating the Coyotes was the only thing that happened yesterday. Out of all the picks that anybody could have made, Pittsburgh beating the Coyotes was the only one. So there are not many. There's 58 people left in the game this week. We've well, seen. That, that's that's what I was gonna say. It's been a, an absolute slaughter. I, I say I think there's 38 left. Me and yeah, you're right. It is 38. Me and 47 percent of people yesterday picked Florida to get 30 shots on goal. The 29.5 or over uh, shots on goal, and we all got eliminated. And like I said, there's not many Six. people left. 6.7% of the pool remains. I'd say this Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor game is no joke. No, it's not. Got to be ready to go. Got to be on your toes. Just like when you get Elias Patterson five-on-five play questions like we threw at you last week. I, I, like, I, I, I truly didn't know what you wanted. Like, what was like what was the correct answer here? I'm like, does this guy want me to come in and start beating Patterson with a mallet? Like, what? Like, do you like what like guys have stretches in a season where like you're just not everything is simpatico like let's you know big picture guys stay out of this is this is so vancouver stop it <laughs> all right frank thanks for joining us we'll uh we'll be sure to throw you some some fastballs next week as well sounds good canucks conversation with Harmon and quads every weekday at 2 p.m be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.